0: I'm Colleen Head with Mike Tom. Welcome to Connections.
1: Today's guest has faced difficult circumstances with a smile on her face.
0: Glynis Bilek was diagnosed with ovarian cancer at the age of 52. She says at first she couldn't believe it and her reaction was a normal one. She faced confusion and depression.
1: But eventually Bilek says she decided to respond in a different way. She used humor and faith to change her perspective. She'll share with us the lessons she's learned coming up on Connections. Glynis Balik is a former teacher, now an author, and she's also a cancer survivor.
0: You've got an interesting story in your life. Uh, When you turned 52, um, you got a diagnosis that a lot of people don't want to hear. Can you tell us a little bit about that day and just a little bit about the road leading up to that?
2: Sure. Um, Yes, I was 52 and I was kind of going through that change of life. I wasn't menopausal or anything but um i just was starting to feel a little funny and i had i felt something in my abdomen i had actually been caring for my elderly mom for a while she was very sick and she passed away in 2007 2007 and then i um i had been going to the gym i'd lost a bit of weight and then i like i said i felt something in my abdomen i really didn't have any other symptoms that I noticed at the time. Looking back now, I know I had symptoms of ovarian cancer, but um, at the time I was just thinking that, you know, change of life. So I'd gone to the doctor. I'd put off uh, going a couple of times because the medical clinic here in our small town was being rebuilt and um, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I eventually went. And so then when I got this um, diagnosis, I was absolutely flabbergasted because I that was the furthest thing from my mind. I actually was feeling not too bad except for this funny little feeling in my abdomen. And so when I got this um, diagnosis, it just blew my mind. And I had gone by myself because my husband had said, do you want me to come with you? I said, no, I'm fine. I am a superwoman. You know, I can, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. And it's probably just my uterus, you know, doing strange things. So when I found that out and I got that diagnosis, life suddenly changed (laughs) in a
1: Splash. Glynis Balik's response when she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer is pretty typical at first, uh, confusion and depression.
0: But, uh, Glynis, you decided to look at it in a different perspective. Tell us about that.
1: Yes,
2: I did that for a while, and I think that's okay for people who are suddenly diagnosed with such a, 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 a disease um, that you do. You kind of think, what now, what? And I did wallow in self-pity. I will admit I'm no superhero or angel, but I also felt that God was pressing on my heart heart that there's a huge lesson happening here glennis so i i had two choices and i tell that to people we always have two choices we can wallow in self-pity or we can put on our big girl stretchy pants and you know face the music and that's what i chose to do i had a favorite scripture verse which was psalm 46 verse 10 and i had had this favorite verse for years um be still and know that i am god and i had it on my um, my business cards and other things and when i saw i thought great scripture verse but you know what I really did not know what being still was until I was forced to be still and contemplate on uh, my life and the choices I had and um, how I needed to to trust God and I'm I have I hate to admit this but I have a bit of a controlling personality and uh, so I just realized and I was taught a huge lesson that there's not much I can control except you know my attitude and my approach to things so I decided from that point on that. Yeah, my attitude probably isn't going to heal me, but it's going to help me. And so that's what I decided to do as much as I could. And I mean, I did have rebounds and, you know, I did have those moments where I had my pity parties and, um, but I, I tried my best to, to be strong. And, and I didn't do this on my own. There were people around me, I had a, a good support system. Um, so yeah, there was lots of things that happened, but yeah, yeah, I, uh, Yeah, there were times when I thought I was going crazy because I just feared thinking about death. But then that's when God took me and spoke to my heart and said, we're all going to die sometime. Um, But you know what? You don't know what you have in store yet. And then he slowly evolved. It slowly evolved. That He showed me the different people that he would bring into my life. And the joy that he would give me And uh, taking away that fear No, I didn't want to die And I didn't know whether at this point I was going to live or die
1: But um,
2: he just told me It's nothing to fear, Gwyneth Jesus is with you And and that spoke
0: to me and he definitely was with you through through all of this, um, and it constantly kept coming up. You you had some interesting stories. I didn't get a chance to read through your entire book, but mm-hmm. there were a few in there uh, right near the beginning, right after your diagnosis, that, that were just so amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Sure. I don't want to tell you too much. could to give too much away here, but, yeah, there were some really interesting encounters with different people, and there was especially one out at Tim Hortons, of all places. Um, there was a lady there that... Um, she just made such a difference in my life. So I call her my Tim Hortons angel, and I wrote a story about her, too. And, and, it, and it was amazing how God kept doing little things like that and people I would meet in the clinic uh, when I was going for my chemotherapy and, and just lessons I learned from them and, and compassion. And, um, you know, I, I, I just realized I don't have to win every battle in my life. I can just sometimes just sit and listen to people, and sometimes that's what people need. Um, yeah, death is not a scary thing if we look at it from a Jesus perspective, and so I started to do that, and I you know, tried my best to focus on eternity. I wasn't being negative when I thought about death, because like I said, no one gets out alive, and some are just called home sooner than others, and I didn't know if that was going to be me. Um, so God spoke to my soul many times, and I actually felt him telling me often to shut up and just <laughs> <laughs> and just listen up, you know, and um, so on, and, and I really felt that it was put on my heart years ago about this book, because um, I was woke during, I think it was my second or third chemo, and I, it was particularly bad, I wasn't feeling so well, and I was woken up during the night with this um, these words that it was something to the effect of cancer, isn't anything to laugh at, but um, if you do find joy and if you do laugh, it does help, so... Um, I wanted to write a book, but I wasn't ready to write it then. I ended up writing a children's book because I was teaching at the time, and my students had lots of questions, so that was where my, my kind of therapy, my energy went. But when I um, wanted to write, uh, when I felt I wanted to write this book, it just didn't seem right until t- my 10-year anniversary, and it was funny how it happened, and I ended up... Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the NaNoWriMo that happens across Canada. It's like a National Novel Writing Month where authors, um, it's kind of like this huge national accountability group. And I decided to join. I'd wanted to do it for years. um, So I ended up doing it. And I tell you, the jams burst in um, in 2018 when I wrote, 2017 was it yeah 2017 and i started it in november and then it just i put I don't know, 64 65 thousand words and it, it just came together and and then this book came out of it but it wasn't until god said okay it's time and that's when it, it all came together and
0: what was that writing process like I, i've noticed that you've had stuff in there that you obviously were writing uh, throughout the journey itself but what what mm. was it like when you finally put this book together
2: it was amazing because I had journaled. That's, that's how I, and I'm so glad I journaled because um, I remembered things from, you know, because 10 years is a long time, but, and especially when one has chemo brain, which is a real uh, <laughs> disorder when one goes through ke- uh, chemotherapy. But um, so these things, um, I, I remembered some of them, but I did not remember the emotions until I reread my journals. And so, and so I think it's really important. When It was good therapy for me. And, of course, I'm a writer, so I found out a really good release for me to do that. So when I was able to, 10 years later, put uh, this book together, I referred much to my journals. And in my book, there are many journal entries throughout and um, how I dealt with things and how I approached things and how I made mistakes and <laughs> so on and so forth. But, yeah, journal writing was a really important um, part of that process and and bringing it together and um, yeah and uh, I I learned lessons I tell you Um, (laughs) I like I said I have a bit of a controlling personality so I had so when people offered to help me you know they were wanting to bring me meals or do our gardening or do different things and I, I kind of liked to do things by myself and I was like this naughty child having a tantrum inside my head i could do it myself you know But people were wanting to help me so and one day god convicted me and said hey goodness listen i have gifted people with other gifts of hospitality and kindness and compassion and when you say no to them or refuse or even have an attitude like you have then you're denying me and i oh talk about busted and <laughs> you know, it kind of convicted me that you know i have to What I learned because um, it, it, it is amazing. My, my point was I wasn't going to waste my ca- cancer, you know, for all the dreaded, horrible, wretched thing that it is. I and I would never say I was glad I had cancer, but I'm. I was glad I had cancer and the outcome of what happened because some amazing people were put in my life and I learned so many lessons, you know, including trusting God more and moving beyond the trivial and valuing family and friends and just accepting the things that I cannot change or control.
0: Can you tell us how cancer shaped your faith?
2: Yes, it really did. Um, like I said, I um, thought I, I mean, you never arrive as a Christian and you, you always have to, you know, be open and, uh, but it was a real opening, uh, eye-opening experience for me because I realized that, um, yeah, cancer is a physical thing and it's about self-dividing, but it also has, you know, soul aspects too and um, it, it made me focus on um, eternity and in my book I also write uh, other people's stories I interviewed 13 other people because I just kind of wanted to see if see where hope was and where laughter was and joy was and how they found joy and um, and so that was such an interesting experience to me too and and um, how people depend on God and how people's they is strengthened. So it was. It was an encouragement to me that yes, it, it, it certainly happened to me, but it also happened to other people too. And there were there was even a couple of people who I interviewed who were not believers, but it's funny how they um, talked about rethinking things and, and reevaluating. Um, Spiritual aspects of their life and things like that. And one lady had a has a husband who who was a believer and she wasn't, and how she started listening to him and answering and asking for prayer and things like that. So, you know what? God allows these. I don't believe God gave me cancer, but He allowed it to happen for a reason and for all my other friends
0: too. Glennis, you dedicated the last chapter of your book to someone special. Tell us about this person.
2: She's a writer friend of mine. She was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, and she um. She died during the process of me writing this book, but she did ask me to uh, write part of her story because she wanted to do that before she died, but but it it didn't happen, so I promised her I would do as best as I can, so I interviewed her. She lives, actually, I live in Ontario, and she lived in New Brunswick, so we were on the phone for over an hour, and I tell you, I was sort of a basket case trying to control my tears, trying to be professional in my interview with her and, you know, just being a friend to her, and um, she was just, speaking oh, speaking so amazingly calm. Like she said, she admitted she was afraid she was to die just because she didn't know, um, and typically our human spirit, when we don't know things, that gives us a bit of fear. But she said she wasn't fearful because she knew that um, Jesus had her hand and that she was... Um, she was going to see Jesus face to face, so she was looking forward to that. And, and then she spoke of little miracles, just just small things that happen, and I've mentioned that in the book, um, that we don't we take for granted small miracles. We just, you know, it's kind of like we take for granted our utilities, our water is going to come out of the trap, and our lights are going to go on when we flick and switch and things like that. It's like that in our, our spiritual life, too. We take so much for granted. But when you're close to death, it seems that, it, my friend, um, spoke about these little things, and she made me sit up and think. And that really sharpened my spiritual walk, too. So, so many things. I could go on and on. But. Yeah. And
0: is, who do you hope will pick up this book?
2: Good question. Um, actually, I wrote it, um, I guess I initially wrote it to encourage those who are going through cancer or those who are caregivers, because sometimes we forget about the caregiver, too, and we need to acknowledge that that's tough. That's a tough road, especially when you know, it's a spouse or somebody really close to you because, you know, they want to fix things, but they can't. So, um, but definitely to encourage and inspire and to offer offer that hope, whether we live or whether we do go to be with the Lord. So um, so I guess initially cancer patients and then um, uh, th- those who are caring for them. But also in the front of my book, I also challenge people to say, hey, if you're not a believer, that's okay. This book is for you too, Um but just be aware that you know I do talk about my faith and but you know I try not to preach in my book and, but it's it's um you have to talk about the lord when at least I did when I was talking about how I coped with cancer so and I and I don't offer any quick fixes or how to's or anything like that I offer my story and and it's the reality and um, and you know how I cope and what my attitude is like and want to offer any false hope, and, and that I also find with Jesus, there is no false hope. So,
0: If people want to learn more about you or your book, how can they go about doing that?
2: Okay, so there's a few ways. My book is actually available on Amazon, or it's available through my website at www, um, Black, Sorry, Com or um, it's hopefully going to be in chapters and some other like bookstores certainly in some local places around here or they can just contact me um, through my email. Um, let me think, which email should I give? Okay, so we can give writer at com. and then I also have a Facebook page so people can go on there and look up Angel Hope. That's my, I have a publishing company too. So there's a few different ways, but somebody just wants to directly talk to me, I'm just so happy to talk to anybody who is going on this journey. So,
0: One last question. For people out there who don't have someone in, your, in their life that has dealt with cancer or maybe they do have someone dealing with cancer, what's one thing um, that you would say that most people don't know about that person that is going through that journey?
2: Yes, it's, it's such an emotional roller coaster. And people who actually go through chemotherapy, that I, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but there's something called chemo brain. And sometimes you don't mean to forget things or say things or do things, but it, it, it's real. And, and it actually stayed with me. I, I still blame it on 10 years later sometimes if I'm getting a bit forgetful, but um, just things that uh, you don't mean to. and you, Sometimes your emotions are so raw and sometimes um, you just... Don't know what to say or do, and some like I just needed my quiet sometimes. I just needed to be alone, but I also needed to know that people cared about me too. And uh, like I said, I had a really good support system, so so that was good. And sometimes it's hard. Like, how do you send a greeting card to a cancer patient? What do you say? But sometimes just a little note, thinking of you, and uh, things like that are you know really appreciated. And because um, it, it is it is kind of scary, you know, um, because you don't know what's going to happen and and even now 10 years later i mean i have the slightest little lump i have i have lipomas which are small lumps that are benign um sometimes but as soon as i find something it's like oh my gosh it's back again so you're i think once you've had cancer that's kind of your 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 little scar you kind of uh, always think what if you know but then i kind of have to change my thought process to if it does then god You've got this under control.
1: That's a great outlook and a great reminder. Very helpful conversation today.
0: Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.